Hey, what's up, Military Millionaires? Today is another episode co-hosted by Alex Fleece. Let me know down below if this is something you want to become a regular thing. Today's episode is with Eric Odin, who has been a longtime follower on Instagram. He and I talk quite a bit and had a ton of success after he went from the Army. He was in uh, Desert Storm, and then he's been buying properties and more and more and more. He did eight flips last year and four buy and holds, and he's just growing, 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 growing in Mobile, Alabama. This is an exciting episode, and as always, show notes are found at frommilitarytomillionaire.com slash podcast. Now relax and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Military Millionaire Podcast, a show about real estate investing for the working class. Stay tuned as we explore ways to help you improve your finances, build wealth through real estate, and become a person that is worth knowing. Hey guys, if you're looking to take your investing, business, life, or just yourself to the next level, then I have something for you. The War Room Real Estate Military Mastermind Group is a mastermind group that meets weekly in small groups of five to six people to help you hold yourself accountable and really experience that growth. But we also have a monthly guest speaker that we bring in, and we've had guest speakers that talk about mindfulness, taxes, we're bringing in somebody to talk about marketing. We bring in very specific topics that will adhere to very broad, any any kind of real estate investing or investing or entrepreneurship that you want to do, and will really help you out. We let you ask these speakers questions and get very personal with them. And then back to the small groups, weekly accountability for what you're trying to achieve and just being surrounded by like-minded people. And they say your network is your net worth. I know that's an overused phrase, but I recommend that you check it out. So just shoot an email to wrmastermind at gmail.com. Once again, that's wrmastermind at gmail.com and we'll send you some more information. Hey, what's up everybody? It's Dave and Alex from the Military Millionaire Podcast. And I'm here with Eric Odin, who's an Army Desert Storm vet. He's done, it sounds like, basically everything from some flipping to some buy and holds to, uh, I mean, just a whole lot of different things. And really, we want to dig into that quickly. So Eric and I have been talking back and forth on Instagram for a while and finally decided it was time to get him on the podcast. Eric, welcome to the show, buddy. Hey, good morning. Great to see you guys. Yeah. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, um, yeah, Desert Storm vet, Vietnam, uh, Vietnam, Desert Storm vet, Army vet, and um, I'm from Mobile, Alabama, uh, down on the Alabama Gulf Coast. A lot of people don't know that we actually have beaches, but we do, two counties worth. Um, I did a lot of corporate sales jobs for years after getting out of the Army and um, eventually decided to want to take control of my own uh, money and, and um, decisions. So I ventured out into real estate as a side hustle and then uh, took the plunge and went full time. Was there, any, was there any real estate experience you had while you were in or did it come completely afterwards? You know, I had some accidentally and uh, I didn't really appreciate the experience at the time. When I got deployed, um, I had bought a house and uh, I did the thing they told you not to do. I, I got married as private. So, uh, you know, as they said, if they wanted you to have a wife, they'd issued you one. But uh, we, we bought a house and I needed to rent it out while I was deployed. So I rented it out. And then when I got back, um, they were still renting it out. So I actually had to go rent another house while my house was being rented out. And uh, 
I was turned off on it immediately because I got a $35 bill from my property manager for replacing a spring on the screen door. And when I say a spring on the screen door, I'm talking about your grandmother's screen door with, a, with an actual coil wire spring on it. And I'm like, 35 bucks, this is a ripoff. And then I, the only, then I got to the CPA and we did tax returns. And it was like, well, you get to write off painting your own house. And I said, well, this is pretty cool. And that's the end of it. I moved back into that house and never thought about real estate again. So I didn't make the connection about how you could actually do this and, and make money or, or, or scale it and, uh, you know, have holdings of houses. I like that only because, um, so many people, they jump into real estate or they hear about real estate and they're like, I have to go all in. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't think that's necessarily the only way. I think there's a lot of people, myself included, where you dabble into real estate and then you don't realize, what it is till years later. That's how I was. It was, I read Rich Dad Poor Dad in 2005 and I didn't know, it's like it sat there and festered. It was stewing, but it didn't mean anything till 2016 when I was like, hey, look, ooh, passive income, you know, who knew? <laughs> um, and so I love that story because it can give people encouragement. Like, look, if, you're, if it's not working right now, that's okay. As long as you keep following the path, you know, it's a long game, real estate. Right. And, and we didn't have the support group like, uh, you know, like David's podcast back then to go, you know, there was to even relate to other people. It was still only the rich guys had real estate or, or really older guys, you know, a, a 20 year old private or, or, you know, doesn't, doesn't do that. And you're not running in those circles and, and you're not hanging out at the library to find the one real estate book they have. That's very true. Yeah. If you don't know that you're, you need to look for it. You're never going to find it. Yeah. And the internet uh, can really, I mean, I love the internet so much. It really brings people together. This, this podcast is a good example of, you know, two niches that over overlap military and um, real estate and you know, having people around a soundboard and, and just say, Hey, you know, just having somebody where like, Oh, look, it's possible. You know, if David can do it. I can do it. Right. If David can do it, my freaking great Dane can do it. Like, you know, it's, it makes it seem very po possible. I discovered in my last podcast that I can mute him and it's a wonderful discovery. I'm going to start just doing it. He's just going to be lip service. So, all right. So you got this house. So when and how did you finally, did it finally click? Um, you know, I was, I had started out, you know, in corporate America um, doing low end sales and service jobs. And then working my way up and realized I was never really going to be able to achieve some of the money goals I had had uh, straight through my W-2. So I started some side hustles of my own and I did the eBay flips and, you know, the garage sale digging like Gary Vee talks about a lot. Um, in this area, you could, you could maybe buy a RV trailer during the summer and you could get it really cheap, but then wait until hunting season and then you could sell it to some hunters and make some more money. And then we started doing some cars and it was like, you know, at some point it was like, you know, I, I'm not going to go get a car lot. I got to scale this up. So with all the drive time, I'm listening to podcasts and YouTube. It's like, you know, why don't, why don't I look at the real estate at this point? And um, just kind of just did the matrix download while all the windshield time listening to people's podcasts and going, okay, I think I got the, the vernacular down. I think I understand some of the terms. Now, now I need to apply my daytime sales networking skills to go out and meet these folks and try to go into some RIAs. It is amazing how a little bit of immersion goes, like goes so far. And, uh, you know, the technology really make, makes it possible. I, I, I myself underappreciate it sometimes. And you said it a few, like, 
you know, 20 years ago, there was no internet board where you could go and just spend time talking to people who have already done it or make it seem possible. There was no Zillow where you could go and analyze deals from across the country. There was no Audible or podcast yet, right? Like 20 years ago, there was nothing Bluetooth in your car. 20 years ago, geez, there was nothing. So my point is, it's like all these new technologies, it's like, it seems so prevalent now because we use them all the time and they're, they're almost mundane in how, uh, you know, they're everywhere. So you don't think anything of it. It's like, dude, if you're listening to Audible, or you're listening to Bigger Pockets, or you're listening to uh, the Millionaire, Military Millionaire podcast, like a lot of that, a little of that goes a long way in terms of, you know, making you freaking deadly to make money. Yeah, I think your environment, um, you know, is the next key then. So it's all available, but if no one in your circle is in that mindset, it, you're not going to want, you're not going to, think to reach out to those kind of resources. No, absolutely correct. And that's sometimes we just need a nudge, right? A little bit of a nudge and the right networking can just be absolutely huge. And we've all got some pretty crazy stories about that, but I'd like to hear like for you, since you kind of touched on it, how has networking really helped you out with building this real estate business? Well, I think the key with networking is, um, everyone's got to know what you do. If, if you just broadcast enough of what you're doing with real estate, some of the deals will just come to you. Like I've actually been in unrelated real estate and settings where I've said, Hey, I'm, I'm looking to buy a rental and somebody will go, you know, I've got this house. We've been renting it out for years, but um, I never really meant to rent it out. I couldn't sell it at the time. And, and I'm, I'm done with it. You know, do you want it? And I'm like, well, let me see it. Let me check it out. And then before you know it, you've got an unintentional landlord unloading a house that he's become buddies with the tenant and he hasn't raised the rent. So you're paying it off the current rent, but immediately it's, it's almost like a turnkey uh, rental income improvement once you start treating it like a business to the point that that's how you pick up your subject twos from people because they're like, Hey, I, I understand the concept of getting money, but I don't want to go over and fix that toilet one more time. It's amazing how just telling the world what you do, the right people find you. I love that. I love that. How, how have you used that to turn into, um, well, I know you do some flips as well, right? So what about contractors? Does, that, does networking help you find great contractors? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think contractors, like a lot of things, it's going to be referrals. I mean, it, look at the whole business model of Angie's List. Or, or just any online review. So if you if you go through the RIAs and, uh, or anywhere you've got other investors, you can start handing off some names. Typically, you know, they're not, everybody's gonna be maybe protective of their main guy, but if you don't do a pool at every flip, usually everybody's gonna share their pool guy referral or maybe their HVAC guy or something like that. I mean, all folks will share to a degree, but those are the easiest kind of names to pick up for contractors. And they also, when you pick up a contractor that way, they know the business model. They understand this is, this is an investor, not a um, homeowner. So level of work, value, time schedules, um, pricing, you're not trying to introduce them to a new concept also. Yeah, I think that's a pretty, pretty wise way to state that because I know um, you know, when looking for contractors, it's a totally different mindset. So I have a friend... He's a really, really good contractor. He's a, amazing. But 
I can't really use him because he is just way too high end. There's no way that we, we don't overlap because he does, you know, he's like the guy doing custom exterior cedar work for like Bass Pro Resorts. And he's amazing and he's rebuilt houses and they're incredible. But it, it, to use him on a flip doesn't work because he's either undercutting his employees a ton on their normal labor costs or I'm not a priority. Yeah, and I've even seen a problem between Section 8 rehabbers and then uh, starter home or mid-level flippers, you can't get them to transition. It's hard to get a contractor to do a, uh, you know, if they're, if they're a, a, it's like having a finished carpenter try to go out there and do, you know, roofing or, or framing. That they're just, it's hard for them to gear down and it's hard for the other ones to gear up. I'm having this problem now. My contractor, I love him to pieces. Um, he's my partner, but we mostly do lipstick rehab. Well, I shouldn't say that. We do. It's not that we, we do big rehabs, but we usually build bulletproof rentals. And now I'm trying to transition to, you know, mid-market flips. And the finish work is, it's like, ah, I don't have a guy who can do that. I don't have a guy who can do this. Or I do, but you're not going to like them and this kind of thing. And it's a little bit of a growing process. And I love that you said that because, you know, so much of real estate is finding the right people um, for what you're trying to do. Especially this turns into experience. You know, if you're new, you're going to find a contractor who's probably fairly new. You're not going to find, like David said, like, hey, the guy that the really great contractor is like, yeah, you can't afford him and he's not screwing around with you because you're new. Um, and so finding the right people for you at the time and, and, and at the time you're at and the experience level you're at and what you're trying to do is, is incredibly important. And that's why it yeah, makes you have a big network. Yeah, I call it fantasy football of contractors. It's like, okay, I got a pool guy, but now I need a plumber guy. Oh, but I need a, I need a plumber guy that'll transfer or that will travel to this county because where I'm at, we're on Mobile Bay. So Mobile County, Baldwin County are separated by the bay. And, and whatever reason, that seven-mile bridge seems impassable for some people. So yeah. you're constantly trading off those names to build your team. Is everything you do local to you? Yes. Right now, just in the two counties. Um, that's, that's the easiest thing It's right now for it to be manageable for me. I would see doing a larger maybe – multifamily long distance but I think at this point our our strength is right here in this area and there's too many opportunities there's too many opportunities for me to travel at this point gotcha yeah so you're saying it works in your backyard so go to the backyard yeah absolutely I mean it, it it's fun to think about oh I'm gonna go here and there and I'm gonna travel I'm gonna see this market but at the same time when you can flip in your own backyard and you can get close to the two percent rule on your buying holds in your backyard it, it's hard to say to justify why move. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I agree. So what, what does OPMI flip mean? There's a, there's a, there's a, a whiteboard behind you that says hashtag OPMI flip. That's, that's our hashtag that we use pretty consistently through all our social media. If you're trying to find us, it's easier just to say that. And you're going to, you're going to link to us on Instagram or you're going to find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, something like that. What's it mean? Oh, it stands for Odin Property Management and Investments or oh, okay. Money Investments, however you want to say it. <laughs> Which is ironically what I was going to say when I was rudely cut off by my co-host. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I was, I was going to ask about financing because I know you mentioned before we started recording that you've done some very unique financing. And I was thinking that's what the hashtag meant, but clearly I'm wrong. No, it's just us trying to develop our brand. Uh, but uh, on the financing, yeah, we, we've tried different things. And, um, you know, like, like my wife, um, she's incredible, but she's like, who in the world is going to let you 
sign over um, on their on their terms on a subject too and give you the title. That just that sounds crazy. And then I think back, um, my personal story is I got foreclosed on when everyone else got foreclosed on in like 2010. And I was thinking, man, if somebody would come knock on my door, I mean, I'd gladly subject to this thing. Interesting. And when you come from that and you realize, you know, how, what, how much this can help somebody, as long as you're not dealing with a scoundrel, it, it's like, it, it totally makes sense. So when you tell somebody like, Hey, you're, you're done with this, you're behind on your mortgage. I can get you out of this and you've done a good job of building a track record and a reputation. And that's the other reason we try to be um, on social media so people can find us easily and go, okay, they're the real deal. And they're actually going to take this house from, from what it is to what it needs to be and make it a home again. It, you know, people will, will sign up for that. So we've been able to do uh, one flip with a subject to, and also uh, we have a current rental that's a subject to. We've also done um, on the finance side, I, I want to mention all this kind of related. We had one owner finance from a, from a landlord. The, the property had been in there 10 years and it sounds like he hadn't checked on it in 10 years. It was his farthest away property and he was getting older and he didn't want to have to travel, you know, 35 miles every day to go check on a uh, check on the rehab. So we made a deal and he held the note for, we talked it out and he was, he kind of wanted to help me get started. So he held the note. He gave me a 3% interest. I didn't owe him the first payment for uh, 90 days. And we flipped it in 84 days. And he graduated us on, on the work. Wow. I just love that. And to parlay it into what you said earlier about, you know, your wife thinking that, that some, some deal may be crazy. And it's like, you know, everybody has their own individual uh, life experience that tells them what normal is and what crazy is or whatnot. But you know, other people have a different experience and what you think is crazy that they think, like you said, Hey, look, I really need to get out of this house. I don't care about crazy. I care about getting out of this house or whatever the case may be. And the other one that you said was, um, like this guy, you know, he didn't, he couldn't do it, but he was excited to have you do it. So you'd be surprised how many people, well, you're not surprised, but new people may be surprised how much, uh, you know, the next guy will help you out. Just, you know, it just worked out that way. And the answer is no, until you ask. Correct. And, and the networking aspect of that is this, this uh, landlord who owner financed it was, I'm going to try to get this right, was a friend of my friend's father at the hunting camp who told him he was thinking about getting rid of it. So he told his son who told me. I mean, it's it strictly, so this is not a RIA, this is not some wholesaler list. This is just making sure everybody knows what you do and how you do it and, and protecting that brand of, of your track record. Yeah. If people know what you do and uh, the big one is, you know, following through, like if you go on social media and you tell everybody you're a real estate investor, uh, somebody's going to bring you a deal and then you need to close, right? If you can't close, <laughs> then you're just, you know, then you're, then you're just yapping. But if you, if somebody says, if you go on the internet and you say, Hey, I'm, I'm a real estate investor, I buy deals. And then somebody brings you one, you close. It's like, dude, you, your reputation in the, in the community goes stratospheric because now people will bring you more deals. Absolutely. The real estate investing is tribal. I mean, it, everybody knows everybody, at least in the core group of the real estate investors. And you need to close. You need to make sure those wholesalers tell the other wholesalers when they're all talking about it. It's like, no, nope, he came, he got it done. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, that quote. 
Yeah. <laughs> writing that down. Real estate investing is tribal. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it too. When I moved to Las Vegas, I was like, you know, in 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 Fayetteville, there was not that many real estate investors, especially in 2017, 16. Um, so when I moved to Las Vegas, I was like, oh man, it's gonna be hot. I'm gonna get lost in the mix. There's not even I don't have enough time to meet everybody, blah, 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 blah. And I think within eight months, I had met like the core 30 like hot shot real estate investors um, in Las Vegas. And it's like, you meet everybody because, well, first they all hang out. Well, who else are you going to hang out with? Um, and secondly, you know, you start to develop a relationship real quick. It's like, don't go there, run your mouth because everyone will talk, everyone will find out. And if you go, then you show up and you deliver, everyone will find out as well. Absolutely. Well, and it's kind of like what we were talking about on one of our other uh, podcasts, Alex, and that is like you going out and telling everybody, Eric, is very similar to what you're doing on social media, right? Because the the game of content isn't so much like just, hey, look at me talking about what I'm doing. It's you're letting the world know what you do and you're bringing people into your circle. And it's very similar to what you're doing by just making sure that you tell everyone about real estate. There's all these memes floating around about like so-and-so talking about football or whatever, me patiently waiting to tell them about how I invest in real estate, like trying to, you know, and it's true. Like, I mean, and it's crazy. Some of the stuff that comes from just talking about it, you would never, who knows. If your friends are not pulling you aside and going, listen, when you come over for the football party, when you're coming over for the iron bowl party, could you not bring up real estate until you get that pull aside conversation? You're not talking about it enough. <laughs> Um, and to your point earlier about social media, I think it's important. Um, you said something about, you know, what you want people to know you're real. And I think there's a real big problem with uh, social media right now is it's too easy. It just lends itself to fake so easily. You can go on there and you can repurpose somebody else's content and tell everybody how entrepreneurial you are and hustle and successes like this and blah, 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 blah. It's like, yeah, but what have you done? Right. And it doesn't have to be a superstar story. It just has to be like, are you real? Did you really buy this house? And so more so, I think social media is useful. For me, it's been, um, it's been more useful, not just to, you know, as a marketing tool, but like, hey, this is what I do. And this is really, really um, what I've done. And here it is, you know, very transparently. And then people are like, oh, well, Alex is the real deal. Or Eric is the real deal. Eh, David. Uh, and so people will, <laughs> people will, will gravitate towards that, um, I think, very strongly. So like you said, you know, you go in public, you tell people what you do and you, and then you deliver and then you can do the same with social media. Woo! We'll be back with the show in just a minute, but I wanted to take a brief second and say that, look, you are already obviously investing in yourself by listening to this podcast. But if you can't figure out how to get past all that daunting crap that you just don't know how to sort through and you're trying to get started in real estate investing and you're just stuck. I, I mean, it happens to all of us. It's daunting. You don't know what you don't know. You don't know everything there is to know, and you don't know really where to find all the information. So that is why I created the Real Estate Investing for Beginners 0 to 1 course, which is solely designed to get you from, I want to invest in real estate to, holy crap, I have a rental and it's cash flowing. And this course is not going to be anything super complicated that you won't be able to understand. It is just designed to teach you how to build a team, find investments, finance investments, conduct due diligence, close on the investment, and then operate it so that you can enter the real estate investing world smoothly. So if that sounds like something that interests you, definitely check out the link below and it's cheap as hell right now. Thanks for the shout out. 
I don't know what I would do with all this, you know, fancy co-hosting power if I didn't use it against you. <laughs> all right. So, Eric, uh, how many deals are you doing? How many deals are you do in 2019? In uh, 19, we did 12. Um, eight of them flips, four buy and holds. Um, those are our acquisitions on those. We carried a couple over into the new year that are on the market now. Uh, and eight flips. Is that more than you did in 2018? It's probably double. Okay. So, okay, good. So, I love to see that. And I also love to see it in the face of a tightening market. Yeah. Um, we're, we're trying to... You know, now that we've done it and, when, and we have proof of concept, we're really working on systems now and going, okay, where's our bread and butter? We've tasted this and we've tasted that. We've tried um, a higher end flip and like, okay, now we see what goes on with that. And, and we're really now getting back to what what works. Run the plays that work, as, as somebody said before. You know, we're, we're going to go with the median house price. Uh, three, two, and uh, some advice that was given to me by um, the guy that got me started with my first deal, he says, buy in a neighborhood, stay in a neighborhood. Neighborhoods are proven that somebody will live there over and over again. And uh, that may sound like common sense, but you know, in, in our area, you can go rural real easy. And you can go, well, it's a great house, but it's out on a county road and da-da-da-da. Yes, somebody wants that house, but, but you don't want to play the lottery. You're not, you, know, you don't want to find the one guy. You want to find the 90% of the market that wants to buy there. Uh, yeah, I think that's, I think that what you said is correct. Like it sounds simple, but I think it bears repeating uh, often actually. It's like, look, you're buying houses to sell houses, not to own houses. It's not a car. It's not a house collection business. It's a house sales business. And so uh, I say all that to say like, think of the end user first, right? Your job is not to flip a house to make you feel good or to make it look pretty or whatever. It's to deliver high quality products to an end user. And so the gig should be find the pool of the biggest end users <laughs> that have the easiest way to, um, to purchase that. And so, like you said, three, two, that's in the, the main part of town that everybody knows. It's like, Hey, like that one's going to sell design it in a way that, you know, that, that will sell freaking get it fit, flip it and move on. Right. Yeah. We, we've tried the, Hey, let's, let's raise the ceiling and let's go with glass tiles and Oh, that's fun. And, it, but it's not so much fun to watch it sit on the market. Mm. Yeah. 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 It's, but, uh, you know, the, the one that we're having the most success right now, we, we've done five in the same neighborhood. So it's just proven like, this is where we're marketing to now. You know, we, we just sent out uh, 10,000 mailers yesterday. And we're just gonna we're just gonna pound this one area, and we're just gonna own it. This is gonna be our office, as far as we're concerned. Good for you. I love it. Doubling down where your numbers work, the whole eighty twenty idea, and it's so true. People get wrapped up in making the house look like a Instagram before and after picture, or you know, all kinds of crazy new trends they see online, but paying for a hood over a stove in your area might not be something that anybody cares about paying for you know it's like the people who put a uh, granite countertops in in a north north side of town where you know wooden countertops or whatever or uh whatever that Formica. crap yeah there we go for micah it works fine right like why would you why spend the extra tons of money if you're not getting anything back out of it other than for the social media which not what what? Like for us, we use our realtors for advice for those markets. When we do branch into different neighborhoods, we'll ask what the expectations are. And, 
And, and if you get the good realtors that can really partner and understand the concept, they'll steer you away from spending money you're not going to recoup. Like we were going to scrape the ceiling on a 2,600 square foot house. We've got to have smooth ceiling. And he said, not in this neighborhood. It's the same money. And I'm like, oh my God, thank you. Thank you. Check that off the box. That was $2,600 right to the, or not $2,600, but that was a week's worth of work and thousands of dollars that went right to the bottom line. Uh, let me ask you though, let me, cause I want to push back on that because uh, some of the upgrades that I've done in my cart and flip, I've done them exactly what David said not to do. I did them specifically for the gram. And so I call this my value add. Now, obviously specifics matter. It's not my show. So I don't want to go into, I don't want to take a big time at it, but specifics matter on the deal. So I had the room in the deal to maybe over improve for what I call the value add, the value add uh, metric of social media. So is there a value in, in saying, I'm going to design this as long as you can make, still make it profitable. Like where's the line, right? Like, Hey, look, make it a little bit nicer cause I can afford to, and I'll get some good social media traction out of it. Absolutely. I mean, I think you can sell the sizzle. Um, I think you find balance where maybe it's not the entire house is HTTV, but maybe there's one facet to it. Maybe, maybe it's the master bath. Maybe it's the back deck barbecue area, but, so I think you can do it. So you've got that cherry on top and have some fun and, and have something that's worth taking a picture of versus another room. But you have fun with it, but you know your budget. I, I'm a huge fan of doing the uh, like the upgrade hack strategy David Green talks about. And I know that that's really not like, I don't know if that's really a coined phrase, but where my theory is if I have to replace something, if there's a more efficient or a nicer model for a decent price, then I really only consider the difference in my cost. So for example, uh, furnace is a huge one. I have a 10 unit and every time a furnace goes out, cause they're all 15, 20 years old. So I knew when I bought it, they were gonna start going out. Every time I, it goes out, my property manager is like, hey, I can replace it for 1800 bucks. And I'm like, okay, great. Um, how much for the high efficiency model? Oh, well that's an extra 200 bucks. Okay, so for 200 bucks, I can save, you know, an extra $15 a month on my gas bill, right? To me, that's a huge killer move or whatever. But if I got to replace a light bulb, okay, go with an LED. If I got to replace, and so I'd like to look at things like that when I do renovation. Like if I have to replace the backsplash on something, okay, well, if it's only an extra 10 bucks over what I would have to pay for the you know normal one, damn straight, I'm going to go with the upgrade. Well, a systems upgrade in a rental, um, yeah, I would look at it long-term like that and go, what's going to attract a better tenant, get a better rate, but also be better for the structure itself. Like for us, we're gonna make sure that all the bathroom exhausts are actually ducked outside and that the hood over the, over the stove is gonna be bent to the outside to get the moistures and the greases out. Cause that's, that's, that's an additional expense, but it's an investment in the property and it's a benefit to the tenant. But on a flip, you know, I might put nice light fixtures in there and, and, and really make it pop, but I guarantee you I first went to Habitat for Humanity and bought it from the ReStore and got one of their store returns. And, you know, so I'm going to, I'm going to get my value, but I'm also going to put a little cherry on top for them. Yeah. Find that blend. It's like uh, you might, one, one of them is like roofs. When you've got to redo the roof, it's like get the 30 year architecturals, those kind of things. hundred percent. Always. Cause it's like 450 bucks on a $5,000 roof, but man, it makes all, it makes it's a world of difference. Yeah, absolutely. It's just figuring out where to add the value. But where, uh, um, Eric, what's your, um, what's the 2020 goal for, I'm curious about flipping specifically. 
2020 goal for flipping really is uh, the, the being focused on one particular market on one particular house and kind of like we were kind of going down is looking at it as the commodity and um, stop looking for the creative project and just take ugly ducklings and, and make good homes for folks and rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. Do you think that that's a, how do I say it? Do you think that that's a journey that every real estate investor or every business owner has to kind of go through where when you're new, it's really exciting. And so you have all these ideas and these possibilities and then you start to get through it and you're like, you know, I don't have to fall in love with every house. Let's just make some money. And I don't mean that in a cynical way. I just mean like, do what you know works is what you're saying. Do you think that's kind of a common thing that people go through? Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely do. I, I know some some very successful buying holes that are just basically swearing off flips because they don't want to get into any more creative designs and and that whole process where they're they're playing the long game. You know, for us, we're flipping, and that's how we you know that's how we eat, that's how we buy groceries, but that's also how we build capital so we can invest it in buying holes. Yeah, I did the opposite. I did buy and hold for a while, and then I was like, oh, this is boring. And my retirement set. Now what should I do? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's definitely a, a mix for all investors of, of the profitable versus the fun. I find it's amazing to me the amount of investors I find who are completely free and reached all their goals a long time ago and stick with it because it's just fun. Yeah, I like the, uh, you know, like we're talking about the importance of networking and finding your deals. But then you can also, when you get to those points where you're, you're getting more systematic and it's becoming more routine, you network also to, to add to the book of the game, you know, and you meet with the newer guys and you try to give them some information because you try to remember how hard it was for you. And, uh, you know, and, and sometimes it even comes back to you immediately in a deal because then they get something that like they, that's too big for them or they need a JV or uh, they just want to wholesale it, you know? And, but I think the biggest aspect, like I said, is just, you just got to reciprocate and, you know, the networks benefit you. You've got to benefit somebody else. You got to pay it forward. 100%. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, kind of want to shift gears a little bit. Before we were recording, we talked about uh, family buy-in a little bit, and I would love to hear some of your thoughts on how to ha- help your family buy into this crazy idea of real estate investing, because I know that's a struggle for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, coming from a sales background and, and uh, only getting to eat what you kill, you know, being a commission based, I think it already lends itself to being entrepreneurial and then doing the side hustles. But when you're, when you're going to a family that's, um, you know, they like the consistency or that's the background they know, like, you know, their parents were always W2 long-term salary employee people. And the way you, uh, the way you retired was put in a 401k and you just went to work. So, you know, you're like, I think the best thing to do is, is, is you got to have communication. You've got to talk this out. You can't just surprise folks um, and, and get their buy-in. And I would suggest this for anybody that's really doing their first deal. Don't take on just a tiger of a project. Do something simple the first one. So it doesn't, you know, A, it doesn't sink your ship. You know, you don't want to get into something that could really, you know, damage your financial situation but also something that you can get a win. You need to get some momentum behind you and everybody have a good experience. So I would say if you're going to take on a fixer upper, it needs to be a very light rehab and uh, get some other opinions, get some eyes, maybe even get a home inspector. And I, that would be mine. I tell you, that's how I would baby step into it. Once you're committed, 
uh, like us, we were looking to supplement for retirement. So I was like, okay, job's pretty good, but it's not going to quite get us where we need to. So let's go ahead and, and let's do one flip in a, you know, three, two great neighborhood light rehab. And I tell you what, even though we're doing this for retirement, we're going to shave 10% of the profits off this flip and we're going to use it for a family vacation. The concept is, it's like, we got a long-term goal, but we're going to get a little immediate, um, you know, just a little immediate treat out of it. Because also if you got kids involved, nobody's got patience. Nobody understands all that down the road stuff. So when we flipped the first one, we made $18,000, took 1800 bucks. And for us, we went on a local vacation. We went up to Gatlinburg, Tennessee, had a great family vacation. Everybody saw us like, because the kids were involved, the kids, they can't do anything, but they can trash out the house. So they dealt with all this stinky, nasty stuff and then throwing it in the truck and we're bringing all our donationable stuff to Goodwill and all this. And it's like, and I get to, while we're sitting in Gatlinburg and watching the taffy machine and looking for bears, it's like, hey, you guys help pay for this trip. So it's the first time they actually participated in, you know, actually contributing to the family. So this is what I, so long story short is, you wanna do a light rehab, you wanna have a win and then have some kind of immediate reward that everybody shares in. And that's how you get things going. Did you, um, did people say yes on the first time you asked? Uh, as far as the sellers? No, friends and family. No, no, it was, it was uh, a bit of kicking and screaming. Well, and that's kind of what I was, I was looking, uh, I wanted to get at because, you know, people, they get in this weird thing where they're afraid to ask to get the no. And I'm like, yeah, but asking in itself is a talent right? You're selling essentially. And so I just wanted to add, like, you know, it takes a bit of a process. And sometimes, you know, for me, I had to win a few before anybody in my family would give well, my family knows me as a the train wreck. So I had to really prove myself before they would, before they would participate with me. Um, but I wanted to kind of put that out there. It's like, yeah, you should be able to leverage your, um, your social, your immediate family friend network, but it, it is, a, you, you have to prove it maybe sometimes more so than a stranger, um, depending on your history. Uh, but, the ask, you know, putting proposals together, putting deals together, potential deals, asking, um, is a, is a, is a process in and of itself, but I'm glad that it worked out for you. Yeah. I mean, you know, the family, uh, you've got history with them. They know you in a certain way. Sometimes they just remember you, you know, might they remember the high school you and that's you. No matter what you do from there on, you're like, I've got a buddy. Uh, he's my, my CPA. But when you look at it, it's like, I can't believe people let, you know, give you money, including me, because I know you, but you know, here, here we all are. That's how everybody is. You know, that's, it's, well, I moved away when I was 18. So like people, they really remember me as 18. They're like, Alex buys houses. Are you serious? That guy? No, I don't think so. He must be. <laughs> um, and so, but I think that's, as soon as you said that, I think that's how a lot of the world is, right? If you, if you went and you saw behind closed doors of a lot of successful people, you're like, I can't believe that this works. <laughs> I can't believe that I can pull this off. There was a weird Afro stoner looking high school kid who was homeschooled and had like no social skills. Running the so, podcast. So shut up. I'm going to unmute you before. Here we go. Alex is muted for the next few seconds until he decides he's going to play nice. No. <laughs> Oh man. So Eric, what's next? What's next? Um, you know, we're, we're going to focus on, on the flips in the, uh, in the concentrated areas. We are looking at, um, first multifamily deals. Um, we, um, 
started those conversations with a couple sellers that, uh, that I think are going to happen. We actually had put a large um, uh, uh, mobile home park under under a contract, but uh, there was a lot of, of um, park owned homes that needed a lot of work and they were, it was, the park was uh, overvalued. So we had to, we had to pull on that one after due diligence, but basically just increase networking and, and, and focus on the business. Um, Roberta, my wife, she's been handling all the social media and she's really stepped up her game there. It's, it's, it's some, some neat video production quality. So we're just looking forward to, to a really neat year and just, um, uh, fine tuning those, those systems and processes. Eric, do you guys, uh, are you going to any conferences, real estate conferences? Well, we went to Bigger Pockets last year, um, looking at going to New Orleans. That one's a two hour drive for us. So we'll, we'll probably go to that one. Um, I was looking at doing a multifamily one, but I, I don't have any recommendations for any that I really want to go to. So, um, but yeah. Uh, we, I think I'm going to go to Mid-Atlantic in September. I think it's September. That'll be in like New Jersey or something. Uh, best ever conference, but that's. Best ever conference is the multifamily conference, but that's in like 12 days. Right. Yeah. And I, I just don't know enough about the conferences to know if to get the value back. Yeah. Um, that's the thing. So, you know, I've kind of wanted to, you know, if I could do more local networking or just meet with more folks that were doing it, I'd, I'd probably, that would be at the top of my list. Just curious. Right on. Well, uh, there's a few questions I always ask. And one of them is uh, if an E1, E2, or a, you know, just a youngster was to walk up to you asking you for advice on real estate investing, what would be your best pointer? I would say, you know, make sure your, your personal budget is in line uh, and, and audit your circle and make sure you've got some guys that are motivated. Um, you know, if, if like me, it was so easy just to fall into, you know, the club rat scene uh, everybody from the barracks pile up and go to city lights. I think it was or city limits out at Fort hood, Texas in Colleen. Uh, <laughs> you familiar with Fort hood. Have you heard about it? No, but you know, it's the same at every base, right? I mean, I know what you're saying and I fell into that same trap. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I would tell the guys, you know, just find those groups. Uh, obviously it's easier to network now to find the motivated, uh, group of folks and, and do that, you know, take, uh, you know, look, look at your classes that you can take on your off time and, and find those people that you can get um, in line with and, and just educate yourself. Read, 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 podcast, audio. Yeah, I guarantee you that there's a guy or gal who's listening to this podcast at every military installation across the country. So if you're sitting there going, oh, I'm in such and such base and I need to find a peer that wants to do this, I guarantee you that there's two people that need to find each other that are listening on the same base that listen to this, this show right now. Um, so like you said, the internet, it's so easy to find your people. And then when you get two people together that are like, hey, look, we don't want to go out spending all our money on booze and girls. We want to buy some real estate. It's like, it's a lot easier to, it's a lot easier to uh, have that feedback mechanism. And I mean, we're asking each other about the deals, like, Hey, how that, how that thing go yesterday? And da, da, da. yeah, I mean, you, you've got something going. I mean, it was the same way when I was competing for promotions, there was another E4 that me and him would like, you know, Hey, where are you at? Did you, did you get that, uh, that, that test done that got you the scores? Did you do this, do that? You got to find those comp those other guys and, you know, and just iron sharpens iron. Iron sharpens iron. I like that. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's solid advice. If you can get around those people and shameless plug, you should just post in the Facebook group and you'll be able to find those people. So I wonder if you could do, I wonder if you can get one of those interactive maps for your website, Dave, where you could get people to plug where they are. And so you could then say, Hey, if you come to my website, it's like, I find all the guys that are stationed at this base and you can, you can make that little circle. I will find out because that would be cool. I'm going to be like, like the off-brand bigger pockets for military dudes. I bet you, uh, yeah, for sure. I bet you, you could, I bet you Patrick could design that for you too. Or at least just a list. Well, I think like David, if you take your group and like Bill Allen takes his group and we really focus on a, on a military um, meetup, even that could happen. We'll talk after the recording's done. Uh, what is one resource book course website that you would recommend to anyone getting started in real estate investing? Um, well, I mean, down and dirty basics that everybody could understand is I probably look at Jay Scott's books on, on, uh, rehabbing houses and flipping houses, um, just to get an understanding of what the numbers look when it comes down to, you know, actually dealing with the sticks and the bricks. I like I'm that. named in the acknowledgement section of that book, by the way. I'll, I'll get you to sign it next time I, I see you. <laughs> the long pause there was uh, representative of how much everybody cares. <laughs> well, that's why I have to say nobody else cares. That's why I have to say. No, that's cool, man. I didn't, I didn't actually know that. I've got it sitting up here. I'm going to go look. So I can cross that part of the book the out. Second edition, I think I'm in. Oh, I got first edition. So, no, <laughs> so you weren't good enough for the first rendition, huh? or maybe the book wasn't good enough. And they had to add you. That's right. Like, yeah, right. Had to redo it. Was me in it? <laughs> oh man! Awesome, awesome. Eric, where can people get a hold of you? If they'll uh, put in hashtag OPMyFlip, they can find us on any of the social medias. That's probably the best way to get a hold of me. Uh, feel free to DM me if I can help you out, or, or you know, you want to bounce an idea off. Uh, be glad to do it. I really like the fact that your easiest way to contact you is a hashtag. Like that's, that's cool. I, I need to, I have hashtags, but I am not as good about it as that. That's smart. I was going to say the same thing. I do a lot of, I have my own hashtag that I kind of trend, but not like you, not like you've done. And I think that's a fantastic idea. Yeah. That's really cool. Smart, smart. Thanks guys. All right. Well, Eric, thanks for joining us today. This has been awesome. Hey, it's been a truly honor and I really appreciate you letting uh, basically me be on the first podcast is, is a podcast like this. Um, you know, I love the fact some veterans like us could get together and, and, and talk about some things like this that, uh, that live on beyond our military careers. Absolutely. Oh, before we close the show, I just have to say, I just noticed this. Your clock behind you is 24 hour, like a regular clock. I don't think I've ever seen that. Yeah, right. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, I found that at a vintage shop. That's yeah, cool. I don't think I've ever seen that. That's interesting. Wow. Yeah, so you, so you got to wonder where it came from. Maybe it was at NASA. Who knows? Thank you for listening to another episode about my journey from military to millionaire. If you liked it, be sure to visit from militarytomillionaire.com slash podcast to subscribe to future podcasts. While you're there, we'd love for you to rate the show. Give us a review on iTunes. Now get out there and take action.